All right, I'm coming. No, I got it, really. Thanks. I just, uh, this is just. This is just all the stuff that I need for Sunday morning. Bear with me a second. You know, it's, I need my table and my guitars and my computer bags and my water, yes, and my stool, which Ernie stole. So, ah, I made it. Hold on a second. That's tough. You know, that's all the stuff that I think I need. But you know what I really need? Just probably this. It's my Kindle, but I use it as my Bible. That's really all I need. But I bring a lot of other stuff with me, don't I? And it's kind of a burden. I mean, it's, it's inconvenient. It's tiring. It's stressful. It's a pain. <laughs> But I would bet that the majority of you leave your house every morning just like that. Maybe not carrying physical things, but weighed down with all kinds of stuff that just clutters your life. You walk out the door and you're carrying your spouse, you're carrying your kids, you're carrying your finances. You're carrying your to-do list. You're carrying your ministry obligation. You're carrying your recreational time. You're carrying your career. All this stuff you take with you every single day. And it's stressful. It's inefficient. It's tiring. It's difficult. When I would submit to you that we really just need one thing. We'll talk about that, what that is, in just a moment. There's no doubt that each and every one of us have clutter in our lives. We've got all these balls in the air. All these things that we're trying to juggle in our life. And it just becomes difficult sometimes. And our life gets cumbered. It gets cluttered with all this stuff. All these issues. All these things in our life. Have you ever seen the TV show Clean House? Anybody ever seen this? I happened across it one time, and I, I don't watch it, but I watched it, at least part of it, this one time. And what basically the premise of the show is you've got all your house is just filled with, let's just say stuff, okay? It's filled with stuff. And uh, these people come in and they help you clean your house, declutter your house, and organize your house. So they come in and they get all your stuff. And they put it in a big pile, and then the people just freak out. Oh, no, you can't get rid of that. I need that. I have to have that. And they're just having a meltdown because someone wants to declutter their life, help them to be more organized, and get rid of a lot of the non-essential things. Oh, no, you can't touch that part of my life. I've got to have that. You know, it's a little lawn gnome or something. I mean, I think I've, I've got to have I've got to have that. I think, I think that's the way we are with our life a lot of times. When we start to contemplate decluttering our heart and focusing on 
that which is truly needful, our natural tendency is to resist that. Oh, no, 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 I, I've, I've got to have that. I have to maintain control of this area of my life. And we're unwilling to let go of those things that would actually free us up, make life less stressful, give us more focus in our life. Well, this morning we're going to attempt to declutter our hearts and focus on that thing which is most needful. Now, there's no doubt that as we sit here this morning, maybe there's areas of our life that we just need to stop. I mean, maybe you're one of those people that your calendar is jam-packed from morning till bedtime. And you just find, you're just finding ways to jam more stuff into your already too busy life. You absolutely have no margin in your life that leads to stress. Maybe that's you. So maybe there's some things that you just, are, you're doing too much. You need to stop. But maybe the things that you are doing are essential things. I mean, you have to go to work, right? You have to be involved in church. You don't have to, but you should be. You, you know, you need recreational time, you need downtime. Your kids are certainly, if you have them, are involved in things. You have friends that you have to relate to. All, there's things that we, we have to do. We can't just stop doing everything and only do one thing. But what if we could refocus our life in the midst of those things that we do? What if we could focus on that one needful thing while I'm at work? while I'm doing recreation, when I'm involved in ministry, while I'm raising my kids or interacting with my spouse or relating to my friends, what if my life could be so focused on that one needful thing that it would make all those areas of my life even better? That would be pretty cool, wouldn't it? I think we would all say, yeah, I'd I'd try that. We're going to look at a story this morning. In the Gospel of Luke, about two sisters. One is cumbered. One is cluttered. One is stressed and worried. The other has chosen that one needful thing in her life. And so we're going to look at them and see the contrast between their two lives and see what we can learn for ourselves right here this morning. So let's look in Luke 10, and we're going to begin reading in verse 38. It says, Now it came to pass, as they went, that he entered into a certain village, And a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha. Now, when Jesus says your name twice, that is not a good thing. That is like uh, your parents calling you by, Andrew Bradford, get in here. That's never good, right? I mean, when I call my kids by first and middle name, that is never a good thing. Abby doesn't even like me to call her Abigail. She thinks she's in trouble when I say her, her full name. Jesus says, Martha, Martha, he's got something to teach her. Thou art careful, that means worried. Thou art careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful, and Mary has chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Now, when you come to this story, and this is a pretty common story, and I'm sure you've heard some teaching or read a commentary or something about this story before, 
Usually it's attacked uh, as a contrast between two different personalities. There's the Martha types and the Mary types. But I think that's a little bit misleading. I'm sure as I read that, there are Martha types sitting here in the audience that went, yeah, what's up with that Mary chick, right? Lazy, sitting at the feet of Jesus while Martha's in the kitchen preparing food for everybody. You're just that Martha type. You, you're a sir, you want to serve and sitting still is not in your uh, modus operandi. You do not operate that way. So if you're a Martha person, you're, you're, you're teaming with Martha and you think she got the short end of the stick on this story. You really did. But maybe you're a Mary type and you're thinking, yeah, that Martha lady, she just needs to chill. I like to chillax. She needs to chillax. That's chill and relax put together in case you're not tracking with me this morning. Chillax or real if you want to say it the other way. You're thinking, man, she just needs to sit still. I mean, it's Jesus, right? What are you doing? We'll order takeout. Come sit at the feet of Jesus. So depending on where you fall, you team up with whoever your personality type is, is lining up with in the story. But I, I think that if we just focus on that, we're missing the point. I think this is more a story about choices and about focus. About choices and about focus. And that's where we're going to center our attention this morning. You see, Jesus' issue with Martha is far deeper than what's going on right here at this moment in this story. Whenever Jesus addresses an issue like this, it's rarely about the moment. It's about something larger. So Jesus' issue wasn't that, hey, Martha, what are you doing? Why are you in the kitchen? Come sit down. That's not his problem with her. You may recall as we read that, he says, you are careful and troubled about many things. This is beyond what's going on right now. He's saying, you got all kinds of clutter. You are cumbered in your heart about all kinds of different things more than this moment and we need to deal with that so we need to understand that going in as we look at this story that martha was a person who was carrying all this stuff she was cumbered she was careful she was worried she was troubled about many things and that was affecting her life let's take a moment and let's look at some of the results of this kind of a lifestyle, the results of this cluttered or cumbered life, things that we may be experiencing in our own life because we're allowing ourselves to become cluttered. The first thing that I notice in Martha is she has an inability to hear God's word. Verse 39, it said that Mary sat at the feet of Jesus and heard his word. I think by implication we can assume that Mary or Martha didn't hear Jesus' word. Maybe she's in the kitchen and she's, she's there and she's preparing the food and, and she's trying to listen to what he's saying in the next room. But, you know, the pots are clanking and the fire's going and, and she's got to focus her attention here. And so while she's trying to listen to what Jesus is saying, she's finding it difficult because she's so cumbered with what she's doing. You and I experience the same problem. When we allow our life to become cluttered, when we're not focused on that one needful thing in our life, it becomes difficult for us to hear what God desires to speak into our life. 
A few weeks ago, as part of this series, we went through the parable of the sower. And we looked at the four different types of ground that the seed was sown into, the seed being uh, representative of God's word. And one of the types of ground was uh, the ground that had the weeds in it, that had the thorns. And when the seed was planted, it said that the, that the thorns or the weeds choked out the good seed. And we saw that those thorns represented cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the pursuit of pleasure. And it choked out what God was trying to do in that soil, in our heart. And that's what happens in our life. When God is speaking into our life and we're allowing the cares of this world to cumber us, to weigh us down, it can actually choke out what God is trying to do in your life. And so there's a need for us to focus on that which is most important. Another thing I notice about Martha is she has feelings of isolation. I'm all alone. She says to Jesus, don't you care that Martha has left me alone to serve? Ever felt that way? It's like, I'm the only one. I have. <laughs> I've been so cumbered about with service. So many irons in the fire. It's just, it's just enveloping. It closes in on you. And, and, and you start to think, well, I'm the, I'm the only one that loves Jesus. You start to feel isolated. Cut off from everybody else. No one else cares about you or cares about what's going on. Not only that, not only does she have feelings of isolation, but the next one goes hand in hand with that. She has feelings of self-pity. Don't you care? Don't you care that, that Mary left me to serve all alone? Don't you care, Jesus? Don't you care about me? You know, I think when, when Martha comes to Jesus at this moment, I think she's looking for some sympathy. I think she's craving some recognition from Jesus. When she comes and goes, hey, you know, I'm all alone in the kitchen serving. Don't, don't you care? I think she expects or desires at least for Jesus to look at her and go, Martha, you're right. I totally agree. You're doing a great job. Mary, get off your lazy tush and go in and help her, would you? She's wanting a little sympathy. She's looking for some recognition for her efforts. And because it's not coming, she's feeling sorry for herself. She's got the pity party going. And she invited all her friends, me, myself, and I. They're all there. And they're feeling sorry for themselves. I think we can relate to that, can't we? When we're serving... And we feel like God doesn't care. We feel like we're all alone in this. We begin to feel sorry for ourselves because no one really cares about what we're going through. You see, I think that Martha and we oftentimes equate our worth with busyness. Something in us thinks that we have to earn the favor of God. That we have to earn His love. That if I'm not operating at a certain level, that he's less infatuated with me. And because of that, we burden ourselves with all this activity. And it could be good activity. I'm not talking about doing bad things. Maybe it's just involvement in church. And we're in this and we're in that and we're in the other thing. All because somehow we think that activity 
equals worth or value. But that's not the case. She, has, she can't hear God's word. She has feelings of isolation. She has feelings of self-pity. And she has anger toward other people. She's mad. She's mad at Mary. I mean, they are going at it. If Jesus was going there, she'd have smacked her. I guarantee you. She'd have walked out there and popped her on the back of the head. What are you doing? Get in the kitchen and help me. I mean, as it was with Jesus there, she's still a little upset. And you know she was on her best behavior. You know she was. I mean, it's Jesus after all. Think how you'd act if Jesus was in your house. Yeah. I got news for you. He is. He is. Ah, ah. Okay. That was free. You don't, I'm not charging you for that one. She's mad at Mary because she's not helping her the way she thinks she ought to. Maybe if you have an issue of anger towards others, maybe it could be because you are cumbered in your life. You've got all these things going on that are stressing you out, and that comes out at other people. You may not even have anything to do with them. Psychologists call this anxiety transfer. When I'm stressed, you're going to be stressed. It is going to come out at you. Why? Because I want to get it off me. You have it. I don't want it. So when your kids are stressing you out, and you lay into your spouse. Why did you have all these kids? You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> it's not really about them. You're just stressed and have anxiety. Or maybe it's work that's stressing you out. Or your finances that are stressing you out. Or whatever it is. And you get all this anxiety built up. You're cumbered about with this. You're worried. You're troubled about this. And sometimes that just goes blah. And we spray it all over the people in our life. It comes out as anger because we're not focused on that one thing that is needful. She had anger issues. Next thing I noticed, she's demanding of others as well. <laughs> this blows me away. Bid her that she come help me. Now, who's she talking to? Jesus, right? She didn't even say please. <laughs> hey, tell her to come help me. She's talking to Jesus. A little demanding, right? And sometimes we get that way when we feel like people aren't in line with our agenda. Things aren't going down the way that we desire for them to go down. We begin to demand that things happen in a certain way because we want our agenda met after all. The next thing I notice about Martha is that she's just worried. It says, he says, Martha, Martha, you are careful about many things. You're full of care. You are worried about a lot of stuff. So when I have this cumbered life, I've got all these irons in the fire. I'm juggling all these balls, whatever metaphor you want to choose to use. Spinning plates. You know, pick it. That causes a lot of worry. I mean, I've got to keep this going and that going and this going. And what if I, you know, what if I miss out or what if I lose this or what if... Someone else takes over that responsibility and we've got all this stuff going on and we're just worried. We're just worried. Worry is an epidemic in our life. So I'm going to do a series. When we get done with this series, we're doing a series on worry, all right? 
No, I'm not kidding. I'm serious. We're doing a three-week series on worry after we finish this series. This is a big issue. Huge in our life. We're all filled with worry. The last thing I noticed about her, no peace. He says, you are careful and troubled. She has no peace in her life. And we get all this stuff going on in our life. We get pulled a million different directions and we're so distracted and we have no peace. And as a result, we don't enjoy what's going on at the moment. We're always thinking about the next thing that we've got to do. Instead of just basking in what is in front of us, we're worried about what's coming next. And we have no joy and we have no peace because we're cumbered with too many things. Maybe you can relate to that. Maybe you've experienced some of that in your life. Maybe you can somehow connect with Martha and what's going on in her life. Again, it's beyond what's happening at this moment. It's not just because she was in the kitchen serving or preparing food. That wasn't Jesus' issue with her. You are careful and troubled about many things. She had too much stuff going on in her life. But the issue is choice and focus. Now, notice what he says about Mary. He says this in verse 42. But one thing is needful. And Mary has chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. This is the issue. Mary has chosen the good part and it can't be taken away. And notice what he said before that. One thing is needful. One thing is needful. I came walking up this morning and I had all kinds of stuff in tow that I thought I needed. But when it comes right down to it, I only needed one thing to get the job done. And the same is true in our life. We have all this stuff that we drag around with us all day long that cumbers our life. And Jesus, I think, this morning is saying to us, hey, one thing's needful. It's the good part. You need to choose it because it won't be taken away from you. Here's what I think the one thing is. It's not one thing that we need to, to do. It's not, well, you need, to, you need to just do ministry or you need to do, it's not something like that, but it's one thing that we need to focus on, and that's this. We need to focus on sitting at the feet of Jesus. Now, when it says that Mary sat at the feet of Jesus, that's more than a statement of geography. It's not just describing her position. That is a position of discipleship. It's a position, and here's the S word, we don't like this word, submission. She is putting herself in a place of submission before Jesus. She is sitting at his feet, listening to his teachings. She is saying, I am a follower of what you have to say. That's who she is. That's the choice that she's made. And I think it's the choice that you and I need to make as well. We need to be a follower of Jesus in every aspect of our life. In everything that we do. When I go to work, I'm a follower of Jesus. 
When I'm in the classroom, I'm a follower of Jesus first and foremost. When I'm raising my children or relating to my wife or interacting with my friends, I am a follower of Jesus first and foremost. When I'm balancing my checkbook or paying my bills, I am a follower of Jesus. I am seated at his feet, submitted to his will, asking him to show me what to do. That's the one thing that's needful. If you you could picture your life this way. Picture your life as a wagon wheel. You know, with the center and then all the spokes coming off of it. And all the spokes of the various aspects of your life, career, uh, spouse, family, friends, church, recreation, downtime, whatever. All these different spokes. At the center of that, the hub of that wheel should be Jesus. But here's what happens in our life so often. Is we allow the spokes to creep into the center. We think, well, my life's about my career. Or my life's about my family. Or my life is about my finances. And what happens when I lose my job? Or I lose my spouse, or I lose a friend, or my finances fall apart. What happens to my life at that point? It falls apart as well. But when Jesus is at the center, and me following him is what my life is all about, trials may come. But the core of my life remains steady, unmovable. The focus of what I'm all about never moves, regardless of circumstances, because I've chosen to place myself in submission to him, seated at his feet, following what he desires for me to do. Here's the reality, guys. When I'm focused in my life on following Jesus in every aspect of my life, I'm a better employee. I'm a better boss. I'm a better husband. I'm a better father. I'm a better friend. I handle my finances better. I do ministry better. Because he is the focus. And not the thing. And not me. He is the focus. That's where we need to live. That's the one needful thing. Life's crazy, right? Life is busy. When I talk to people, I say, yeah, how's it going? More often than not, they say, man, just busy. You know, really busy. Really busy right now. That's how we like to describe ourselves. Busy. I'm busy, man. Just busy. I can't even talk right now. I'm so busy. I understand that. Life is rough. Life is packed. Life is busy. But what if we, in the midst of our busyness, could make Jesus our focus? So that even though I'm moving at a pace that's quick, even though I have a calendar that's pretty full, what if he could be my focus even in the fullness of my calendar so that everything that I do, every place that I go, every interaction I have, my eyes are firmly planted on him and what he wants me to do and how I should interact with people because I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm seated at his feet. 
putting myself in submission to him. Notice what he says. Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken from her. You want, you want to live for something that lasts? Live for that. Live to be a follower of Jesus. Everything else can be taken away. We can lose everything else. God forbid. But that's the reality. It can be gone like that. But no one can take away a heart that's submitted to him, that's following him regardless of circumstances and the rewards that come as a result of that. This is the treasure that's being laid up in heaven that Jesus talked about. He says, lay up treasure in heaven where, where moth and rust, they can't corrupt it. That's what he's talking about. Living a life that's totally focused on him because anything else leads to disappointment and sorrow and frustration and worry and anxiety because I'm trying to hang on to everything. Mary is consumed by Jesus' presence. As far as she was concerned, there was no one else in the house. She's there. She's consumed by his presence. Everything else faded away. I heard a story once about a lady who was <clears throat> in a haagen ice cream shop in Kansas City, late 60s, early 70s. Walks in, she's standing in line, she's going to get her ice cream cone. Here's the, you know, the little bell on the door jingle, somebody else has come in, and she turns and she looks and she's just, <clears throat> mouth falls open. The most beautiful man she had ever seen walked in. Blue eyes that just pierced you. It was Paul Newman. Right, before he sold salad dressing. All right, this was a, this, this is Paul Newman in the day. I mean, he was it. Gorgeous. Many regarded it as the most gorgeous man on the planet. And she's just, and so she gets to the front of the line and she orders her ice cream cone and she pays and all the while she's kind of looking over her shoulder. She's just mesmerized by this man. And so she, she gets her change and stuffs it in her purse, and she walks out the door, and she walks out, and she realizes, I don't have my ice cream. And so she goes back in, and, and, and Paul Newman sees her coming, and, and he looks, and he's got this smile on his face, and he kind of says, hey, you looking for your ice cream cone? She goes, yeah. She goes, you stuck it in your purse with your change when you... <laughs> Everything else had faded away for this lady. She was mesmerized by Paul Newman. She was captured by his beauty. Everything else was just changing the purse. That's the way I wish we could live for Jesus. Consumed by his presence so that everything else just fades away. The reality of these two sisters is this, I think. Mary's preoccupied with Jesus. Martha is preoccupied with herself and what she's got going on. She's a good lady. I mean, she's, she's a great hostess. She invited Jesus into her home. You read about her later on. 
She, when her brother's ill, she, she knows to seek Jesus. She runs out to meet him. She, she is a good person. I don't mean to demean her in any way. But she had an issue right here, and it was preoccupation with self and her agenda. And Mary was preoccupied with Jesus. And a lot of times in our life, we're guilty of the same thing. We just get focused on what we got going on, what we desire, what we want, when we should be preoccupied with him and his presence. Is your heart cumbered this morning, cluttered? So many different things that are distracting you from the one needful thing. This morning, I want to help you declutter your heart. Now, having said that, you're like the people on the TV show. No, 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 I need that. No, wait a minute, you can't take that out of my life because I've got to have that. I have to maintain control of this. I'm not going to fight you for it, but I want you to understand that Jesus desires to be a part of every aspect of your life, no matter what it is. Work, leisure, family, doesn't matter. He wants to be part of it. Here's my challenge this morning for you. Before we get to the main challenge, let me just say this. As I said earlier, maybe you're here and your, your calendar's just too full. I mean, we've, we've talked a lot in the past about having margin in your life and making sure that you're not just pushing the envelope all the time. That is not a healthy thing. Maybe there are things in your life that you just need to stop doing. Not bad things. I'm not talking about sinful things necessarily. It's just that you've got yourself moving so quickly at such a breakneck speed that Jesus just kind of gets squeezed out of your life or gets leftovers. So maybe that's you. Maybe, maybe you just need to evaluate your life and you need to purge. You know, do a little spring cleaning and purge areas of your life. But maybe you've got your life down to the essentials where you think, well, these are the things I can't, there's no way around it. These are parts of my life. I got to work. I, my kids are involved in stuff. I want to be involved in church. I, I need leisure time. All these things. Here's my challenge. For a week, one week, seven days, I want you to actively choose the good part. Actively choose the good part. To actively choose to be a follower of Jesus wherever you find yourself. So if you're at work, your mind is, hey, I'm following Jesus here today. What does he want me to do? How does he want me to interact with people? How does he want me to do my job? Or you're interacting with your family or your friends. Hey, I'm a follower of Jesus first and foremost. How does he want me to treat my husband? How does he want me to treat my kids? How does he want me to interact with my friends? Hey, I'm doing my leisure thing. I love to do it. It's my, it's my recreation. It's my, my, uh, my downtime thing. It's my hobby. Hey, how can I do this and be a follower of Jesus while I'm doing that? You with me? Whatever it is in your life, whatever you're doing this week for seven days, actively choose to be a follower of Jesus in that thing. And my hope is that a week turns into a month. And that a month turns into a year. And a year turns into a lifetime. Being a Christian is more than a one-time decision to believe in what Jesus did. That's crucial, obviously. 
But being a follower of Jesus is a lifestyle. And it should be impacting every area of your life. Not just what happens here for an hour and 30 minutes on Sunday. And so my desire is that this intentional choosing to be a follower of Jesus will weave its way into every aspect of our lives so that we, like Martha, will have chosen that good thing which cannot be taken away from us. Let's pray. Father, we love you and praise you and thank you for the Lord Jesus. Father, I pray this morning that you uh, have been glorified through everything that's been said, through all that's been sung. And Father, this morning I ask that you would help us this week to actively choose to follow you. Whether that's at work or at home, in recreation, at church, everything that we do would be about you. We're seated at your feet. We are placing ourselves in submission to you and what you desire for us to do. Father, thank you so much for this simple story in the Gospel of Luke about these two sisters. I pray that we would be able to apply these principles to our life so that one day we'll be rewarded by you because we've chosen the good part. We ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.